0: You're listening to the Super Talk podcast, produced by the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, shaping profit to member super.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Super Talk podcast. Today, we're taking a look at private equity. Like all investment asset classes, investors are keen to get across the impacts of the COVID global pandemic in order to get a read on how they have fared during a turbulent and complicated year. To give us an overview of how private equity is tracking and hopefully provide some good news, we are joined by Claire Smith, Investment Director of Alternatives at Schroeder's. In our discussion, Claire provides insight into how well private equity is positioned to deal with current market shocks, as well as the opportunities with co-investments and the long-term investment characteristics of private equity that make it attractive to super funds. Yes, joining us today, Claire Smith, Investment Director of Alternatives at Schroders. Claire, welcome. Thank you. Uh, We're going to be getting into uh, quite a few things across private equity in this little discussion. Uh, I suppose to frame it, do you just want to give me a quick overview of private equity, what some of the common assets are and and how it's faring at the moment?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I guess, you know, in its simplest form, private equity is you know it's the same as listed equities except obviously the um, the equity ownership is done in a in it's done in a private format rather than listed on a stock exchange so you're still accessing companies um, but i think the real differentiator for private equity versus um, what people are more traditionally familiar with in the listed markets is um, the variety of companies you can access so with private equities you can access companies at much smaller and earlier stages in their in their growth Um, You know, particularly if you look at industries like tech and healthcare. Um, So actually, you know, if you look at healthcare companies, there's 146,000 privately held healthcare companies across the US, Canada, Europe and Asia. Whereas if you look at the listed markets, that's under 3,000. Um, so just the, the, the breadth of companies that you can access through private equity, I think, is really interesting. Um, you know, in addition, tech, um, you can find a lot more investments into companies that are um, earlier, more in that research and development phase, um, where you can really sort of get in at the ground level and, and, and see, you know, sort of significant increases in, in the valuation of those companies throughout their lifestyle. And I think, um, you know, this greater breadth of the private equity market is a trend that we actually think will continue and become even more prevalent. Um, and that's due to a couple of factors. So, um, firstly, obviously, the, the requirements for listing a company can be quite um, onerous. There's a lot of sort of governance disclosures. Um, there can also be a bit of a, you know, maybe a, a misalignment in in outlook where the company could be growing for the medium term but the shareholder, you know, might be more focused on, say, a quarterly earning cycle, um, so I think there's that sort of um, pressure of of listing along with disclosures um, and the cost of doing so. And then also the private equity market is growing significantly and it can accommodate much larger companies. So I guess that point of transition from where a company goes from private to having to IPO and become listed is, is growing in terms of size. So if you look at the size of the private equity market now, it's $4 trillion, which is a two and a half times increase since 2010. So I think, yeah, there's there's two factors of companies perhaps preferring to stay private and then the private equity market growing and maturing and being able to accommodate um, means that we're not only seeing opportunities at the small scale, but also at the large end of the market. So, yeah, it's an an interesting trend, I think.
1: It certainly sounds like it has grown, as you said, over the last sort of decade, Uh, Mm -hmm. but that does bring us to present day, which is throwing up a few current challenges across the globe Uh, how well is uh private equity positioned to deal with current market shocks
0: Mm. well i think one of the you know one of the sort of great saving graces of private equity is um is that you're not obviously looking at the valuation of a company on a day-to-day market which is influenced by um investor sentiment so there's been you know a huge amount of volatility obviously in listed markets and there's a lot of discussion going on about valuations and are they following fundamentals or is it, you know, Hood traders or, or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but the nice thing about private equity is that when a company is traded, it's done over a period of several months. Um, the valuation is based off fundamentals. So it's looking at, you know, an, a business outlook for that company. Um, obviously, COVID is influencing um, the inputs to that valuation model. So it might be a reduction in the gross estimates of reduction in sales, but you're Your fundamental analysis of the valuation of the company is, you know, in the model and in the outlook rather than sort of what's going on in the market. So um, I think the reason private equity sort of is well positioned now is when managers are making investments, um, they are doing it in a a considered manner over a period of months, you know, looking at the valuation of the company, considering the long-term outlook. Um, And the way private equity funds are structured is that, you know, they have this pre-commitment of capital from clients so they can... Um, use that capital to make investments that they think will still perform in the long run and based on their analysis will provide a good um, a good longer term return um, after the outlook. and the other thing that we're seeing a lot in in private equity that I think is really interesting in the current market is, is sort of structured solutions. So we recently made an investment there's a, um, a private equity fund that has exposure to consumers and, and obviously you know consumers is a sector that's been, seen a big reduction in demand and a reduction in valuation. Um, but within the portfolio of companies, there's some that are underperforming and there are others that are performing well. Um, so what we've done is we've provided a capital injection to help some of the underperforming companies sort of ride this crisis. Um, but in return for that, we've got first cash flows over every single portfolio, uh, every single company within the portfolio and we get a guaranteed minimum return from that investment. So that's kind of an interesting way to look at A portfolio of companies, we've got exposure to all of them, um, and we've got this sort of guaranteed minimum return. So, there's interesting ways to extract value in the current market from um, portfolios of companies that we think will perform and and things we can't really do in the listed market. Um, I think also, you know, with the structure of of private equity and the way the manager, um, you know, is either on the board or perhaps has a management position, you can also sort of intervene maybe import some expertise, um, we think there could be, in the longer run, more m um, and activity off the back of COVID, as some companies will succeed and some might fail. So I think having that ability to import that expertise and help perhaps companies who might be well positioned and actually, you know, perhaps even take over some other companies. So there's a lot of, I guess, um, levers you can pull with private equity uh, and a lot of factors that we think will really help it um, through, this, through this current crisis.
1: That's... A pretty positive uh, outlook from from yourself there. Uh, a lot of people are attracted to I think the slightly more doom and gloom stuff, but that sounds, I suppose, upbeat. No. Well, I guess
0: the, the, the thing about private equity is you know it's an it's an illiquid investment and it, but it's something you can hold for five to ten years. So th- that's what I think is nice about it, and nice in the current environment is you're not sort of worried day to day, week to week about valuations. You're making an investment and you intend. Um, to hold it for five to ten years, and hopefully, in five to ten years, we'll be um, in perhaps a better position than we are right today. So you kind of take, I think, some of the stress and some of the heartache out of the investment, which is which is nice and perhaps a relief.
1: <laughs> and that's clearly something that aligns well with the superannuation industry with the longer term timeframes.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: want to talk a little bit about, uh, I suppose, co-investments, but perhaps before that, just get to a quick overview of what primary and secondary ones look like and then get into more the the co-investments and and what role, I suppose, co-investments are playing with uh, the current sort of, like I said, the market shocks and how private equity is faring.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, in in you know the the primary market is um, it's still active. It's I think it's a bit slower. People are, are perhaps less reluctant a bit you know um, more reluctant to commit capital to, to funds at the moment. You know, everyone's in a bit more, I guess, a wait and see um, wait and see stage. The secondary market as well is is more subdued than it was. So, twenty nineteen was a huge market for for secondary fund investments, but I think because of the way Private equity um, valuations are done and they're done um, periodically and on a quite a lagged basis. We think secondary activity will pick up later in the year when the full flow of um, effects of COVID have have come through to the valuations of of secondary deals. But, yeah, what we're seeing sort of the most immediate opportunity right now is in the co-investment space. Um, And that's for, you know, a, a couple of reasons. So, firstly, there's... The pricing dynamic is a bit better, so I think sellers have sort of reduced their expectation in terms of prices, which is making pricing look quite quite interesting. Um, and then also there's, we're seeing a bit less competition, so I think some other maybe um, less experienced investors are, are a bit reluctant to buy it at, at the moment, so we're sort of seeing a good pricing um, dynamic in this part of the market. Um, and, and then the other the other factor is, I guess, coming back to the primary funds and, and those perhaps being a little bit smaller because of um, slower fundraising activity. It means fund sizes are smaller, so that the co-investment opportunity is actually a bit larger because the funds can't commit as much capital to a company as perhaps they could have, you know, two three years ago. So um, we yeah we're seeing sort of co-investments as being the most immediate opportunity right now. But obviously we, we you know we're maintaining pricing discipline. Um, you know, we're leveraging our sector and experience, expert, you know, se- sector and um, global expertise that we've, you know, accumulated over 20 plus years. And, and we're really working with specialised firms who have a good track record and a, and a long track record in this space. So I think if we sort of keep that discipline, um, yeah, right now we're seeing good opportunities in the co-investment space in particular. I guess just on the topic of valuations, it's you know that's been very topical at the moment with the with the early release scheme, and I think um, you know the, the superannuation funds looking at that and making sure that there's not. You know, any any sort of unfair treatment of investors with the periodic nature of of private equity valuations, but with our breadth of um, manager relationships, we've built into, you know, all our contractual relationships, the ability to request ad hoc um, valuation information. We have funds which have monthly liquidity as well, so we, we can value all the assets on a monthly basis and we really look at the fundamentals of, of the companies. So, you know, we're, we're challenging all the, the, particularly for co-investments. You know, we, we run the valuation models ourselves. We look at all the inputs and make sure they fully reflect what's going in in the market at the moment. Um, and we can override, you know, other manager assumptions if we think they're being um, too aggressive on on certain valuations. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a bit of a topical issue right now and it's something that we take very seriously.
1: That's all for this episode of the Super Talk podcast. A very big thank you to Claire Smith and the team at Schroeder's for their time and knowledge. Until next time, bye for now.